Hello, welcome to Vet Talk, the veterinary podcast. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. This is an informational podcast, and we hope you find it a valuable tool to help you understand veterinary medicine and how to better care for your animals. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud or by going to lickingvalleyvet.com and finding the education page. While you are there, take a look at our blog section for more helpful information. You can also follow Licking Valley Veterinary Hospital's Facebook page if you want regular updates on released podcasts, blogs, and videos. If you find this information helpful, please feel free to make a donation to the continuation of this content. There is a link to do this on the webpage under the podcast list. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. Welcome back. I'm recording this episode on Thanksgiving morning of 2020. So I know I won't publish it until a little later, but I'd like to wish everyone a happy belated Thanksgiving. It's nice to have a slow morning and I've been able to reflect. I sutured up a horse yesterday and the client was so thankful I came out. It made me start thinking of things I'm thankful for. For one, my clients. They give me cases that are interesting and let me support myself with a job I enjoy. That job lets me have moments like this where I'm at home alone with my pets. Well, granted they aren't close now. The ducks are outside practicing flying and Galadriel, the kitten of the golden wood, is watching them. And more importantly, I'm healthy. In 2020, 11 months through, I am happy to be healthy. And happy I have healthy family. I know not everyone has been as lucky. So for those of you that have been as lucky, be sure to know the blessings you have had. And for those that haven't, I hope that through the dark times you will persevere and find things to be thankful for again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Now, on to our episode. Okay, so what other skin problems do we have? We ended our last episode with rain rot. That is a simple one and easily treated, but one that could be harder to diagnose and treat are tumors. Tumors are benign or cancerous. Benign tumors can sometimes be annoying, but typically not life-threatening. Cancerous tumors, well, sadly, probably too many of us have dealt with cancer, whether it was in a pet or someone we know. Horses can get cancer too, and while there are many cancers out there, I will mention three briefly that are of note in horses. One is melanoma. This is most common in gray horses, often non-invasive, but can become very serious and painful. Two is squamous cell carcinoma. This tends to occur around the eyes, penis, and vulva. That is why when I see a bump on an eyelid or the tissue surrounding an eye, I always recommend removing it. Because if we catch it early, we may be able to treat it. Squamous cell carcinoma around the penis and vulva, well, that usually leads to euthanasia. Three, sarcoids. This is the most common skin tumor of the horse. It's caused by a bovine papillomavirus, and if you remove it, it is likely to recur. 
This one always perplexes me because you have to remove it to really find out what it is. And if you remove it and it gets worse, then you're just in a catch-22. That being said, leaving it be where it could be irritated by flies or movement could make it worse too. So I usually try to remove it and treat it more than leave it be. So there are some tumors on your horse. Which are they? How do we know what they are so we can make our plan of action? Well, even though as vets we can make good guesses, none of us have histo fingers. We cannot look at a tumor or feel a tumor and 100% reliably know what it is. I hate when people ask me what type of tumor I think it is. Because what I want to do is do surgery to remove the tumor and send it to the lab for analysis. That is how I know what it is. That is how I can give you the best advice on how to handle it. I had a client with a bump on the eyelid of a horse once. They kept asking me every time I was out, what is it? What is it? What is it? I'm like, I don't know. I think you should let me remove it and we can send it off to the lab. In my head, I was thinking it was a squamous cell carcinoma. And often it is. But the last two I sent off to the lab came back as other tumors that happened to appear near the eye. So again, looking at a tumor doesn't give us the right answer all the time. We have to take a sample or take the whole tumor and send it to the lab so they can look at it under a microscope. Don't force your vet to make a guessing game out of something cancerous. When you have a mass, be prepared for your vet to offer removal and sending it to the lab. When we get that information back, then we can help you with a long-term plan of management. Just guessing what a microscopic cell is by feeling it with my fingers usually results in us not knowing what is really going on. And please don't wait for the tumor to get gigantic. I've had clients wait for months and months while the tumor grows and then ask for it to be removed. If the tumor is 10 times bigger than when I gave an estimate of how much it was to remove, I get to make a new estimate because bigger is often harder to remove. You don't want to make things more difficult on a surgeon by letting the tumor extend and get deeper in the body. That makes it harder to get out. So do these things early so you have the best chance of keeping your horse healthy. So here's my cancer spiel on how to handle tumors. Because not every bump is cancer that needs to be removed. If my experience tells me I need to be concerned, or I feel you as the client are concerned, I recommend removal. If we aren't overly concerned, I tell the owner to watch for things such as quick growth, pain, loss of function near the tumor, the tumor getting hard or calcifying, or the tumor growing into underlying attachments and branching out. If one or more of these things happened, I recommend removal and biopsy at the lab. Benign neglect can be acceptable if the tumor doesn't grow or we are leaning towards sarcoid as a diagnosis. But remember, just because it looks like a sarcoid doesn't mean it is. So yeah, be aggressive unless there's a reason not to. And on a side note, I often run into clients who don't have the finances for the biopsy, but sometimes have the finances to get the tumor removed. Remember, if we're fighting cancer, sometimes it's best to just get the tumor removed and take our chances that we can get every last bit. Look at the whole situation and listen to your vet for advice on how 
to remove a tumor, when to do a biopsy, and what is best for your pet. So about things that are more than skin deep, or more things that are looking underneath. Chronic skin problems, where the horse keeps having skin problems, or maybe rain rot, because the horse has really long hair coat all year long. This is likely more than just a skin disease. Maybe something like Cushing's disease, an endocrine disease. Cushing's disease is a disease of the pituitary gland of the brain. I'll cover the disease in more depth in another episode, but in short, the immune system is weakened and the horse grows its hair looking similar to a woolly mammoth. With a long hair coat trapping moisture near the skin and a weakened immune system, it is easy for the skin to get damaged and infect it when a horse has underlying Cushing's disease. While treatment can be started for however the skin is manifesting because of the Cushing's disease, often you can't get the skin manifestation under control until you have the Cushing's disease regulated with a daily medication. The last category of skin problems we will cover is wounds. That is probably what most people are familiar with when they are thinking about their horse because it gives us the most panic. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my horse is bleeding. Look at all the blood, the world is ending. Probably not. First, remember, blood tends to always look like there is more of it than there really is. Second, a horse that weighs roughly 1,200 pounds has 7% of its body weight being blood. That's 84 pounds of blood, or roughly 12 gallons of blood. A horse can lose about 11% of its blood before it starts having problems. That's over a gallon of blood. We would be worried about shock when it loses about 2 gallons of blood. That's a lot of blood. So, what do you do in a situation where a horse is bleeding? First and foremost, you don't get hurt. Remember, your sweet baby horse weighs a thousand pounds and is likely hurting and may not understand what hurt it or that you are trying to help it. So be careful. Approach it calmly and slowly. Don't go straight to the wound. Pet your horse elsewhere to help calm it and help it realize you aren't going to hurt it. Then inspect the wound. If, while you are doing this, the horse seems like it might kick you, get a trained professional to help. While you would do anything for your horse, if you get hurt, you can't help your horse. So stay safe yourself so you can do the most for your horse. Inspect the wound. Is it covered in mud? Is it superficial, just grazing the skin? Or is it deep? Is the blood oozing out? Or is it spurting out? If there are drops, can you count the drops of blood? Or do you just see a stream or pulse of blood? If you can count the drops of blood, you are fine and your horse is fine. Clean off any mud with fresh, clean water and get a better look at the wound. If it looks like it is just superficial or a scrape or abrasion, some topical ointments may be all that are needed to help that heal, if anything is needed at all. If there is a puncture, call your vet. You want to make sure the horse is up to date on the tetanus vaccine, and if it is a deep enough wound may warrant systemic antibiotics. If you see spurting, that is when there is more concern. Gushes of blood or pure streams of blood or spurting with each beat of the heart is more of a problem. 
This could be an artery or a deep wound that has destroyed enough blood vessels that it needs veterinary attention. First, is it a vet emergency? Well, it depends how you define emergency. For most wounds, I don't drop everything and rush right out there. I want to get to the wounds within the day, but realistically, noon or 4 o'clock is not that much difference in the grand scheme of healing. Sadly, if a horse is bleeding out, it's going to bleed out by the time you can get it to the veterinary clinic or a vet get to you. Typically, it may take 30 to 45 minutes in good situations to get veterinary attention after an injury. If it's severe enough that it needs attention before then, very likely there's nothing that can be done to save the horse. However, that does not mean there aren't first aid steps to be taken. For example, apply pressure. Blood is trying to clot. If it can stop moving, it will form a clot to stop hemorrhage. Sometimes it just needs a little help. A bandage or multiple bandages over a wound should do the trick. Once I had a horse that had lacerated its foot. Every time the horse picked up its foot, blood would spurt from a gash in its foot. When the horse was standing, no blood spurted from the foot. The client, so concerned about the, her horse, kept picking up the foot to see if the bleeding had stopped. Of course it hadn't. I told her to leave the horse standing and not pick up the foot until I arrived. By the time I arrived, the bleeding had stopped and I just had a wound to suture together. Please don't apply things other than bandages and veterinary salves to horses. The amount of home remedies I have seen for wounds that actually hinder the process of healing is astounding. For example, please don't put pepper on a wound. I don't care what sort of mystical healing properties it has. It takes me forever to scrub pepper out of a wound. Unless you are planning for a barbecue, I advise against pepper, but also strongly advise against kerosene or turpentine. These are just not helpful to healing and also tend to be used by clients who are smokers, which makes me nervous. So yeah, you have your horse calm. You have a bandage on the horse and have not applied a mystical healing remedies that are not approved by your wizard-like veterinarian. What else do you need to do? Getting the horse to the barn or where the vet can work on it is important. It's just a little harder to suture at night in the middle of a dark forest up a long path. Call us vets silly, but we like the horse in an area that is close to our truck and well lit. Also, see if your vet has a haul-in facility. I have that now, and I have a well lit area near my supplies, and I have stocks which can hold the horse. All that can make a big difference because with the stocks and my own light, I can work on an animal almost by myself. For those of you squeamish about blood, and yes, I've seen people faint with blood, it's better if the vet has more facilities to work on the animals. Because if it's you and the vet in the middle of the field, and you faint while holding the horse, it makes it very challenging for me to hold the horse and suture. So bring it to my clinic, and my stocks can hold the horse, and I can suture like I'm supposed to. Also, it's less expensive to bring the horse to my clinic than it is to have me drive out. Time is precious to veterinarians. We charge less when you help us save time, 
and I live closer to my clinic than I do most of my clients. Anyway, the vet arrives and evaluates the wound. What is the vet going to do for a wound? First, give a general look over and make sure the horse is stable. Second, your vet may offer completing a culture and sensitivity. This wound is an open wound and has been exposed to many bacteria. More often than in previous years, I am finding bacteria resistant to the effects of the antibiotics I give. Cultures and sensitivities of wounds tell us which antibiotics to use. Unfortunately, it is hard to get these back quickly as they have to grow in a lab to give us results. I tell many of my clients it is a good idea to take the culture and sensitivity and send it off. If it is normal, all is good. If it comes back abnormal, often we get those results about the same time we notice the horse's sutures start to melt or rip open. This happens because the bacteria are not being killed by the antibiotics we are on and they destroy the sutures. We then have an open wound again. While many clients decline the culture and sensitivity and the wound is fine, we never know when the wound will have issues. Safe is sometimes much better than sorry. Resuturing a wound a second time is always harder than it was the first time. I usually have less healthy skin to work with. If I ever have to resuture a wound, then I require a culture and sensitivity to be started. So, I have taken a sample and now to the wound itself. My first question is how old do we think the wound is? The older it is, the less chance I will have of suturing the wound closed without chances of infection. If you read the veterinary books, they are going to say you want to suture wounds closed within eight hours to keep the wound clean and limit the chances of infection that will hinder healing. In reality, I found if an owner cares for a wound initially by keeping it clean, if I am out within 24 hours, I don't see much difference in healing two weeks from an injury. Much longer and I feel I have less chance of still having those good results. Remember, once a horse has a cut on it, bacteria have been put in the body where they shouldn't be. It's infected. Also, the skin starts to retract after it has been cut, and the longer we wait, the harder it is for me to get the skin back together. Ideally, I like to get out there before the 8 to 12 hour mark, because that is when bacteria really have a chance to start multiplying. So I want to clean it out before then and get sutures in before the wound contracts. In reality, many horse owners get home from work and find the wound which has occurred many hours before and we can't always get to the wound as quickly as we desire. That does not mean there is no hope. That's why I evaluate the wounds to come up with my plan. This evaluation is usually when I decide to give the horse systemic antibiotics or not. The deeper the wound, the more likely I will give systemic antibiotics. I always find it odd. Clients tell me all the time they went ahead and gave a shot of penicillin. I look at the wound and I see a scrape. Comparing it to a human, it would be like scraping an elbow. Who takes antibiotics for a scraped elbow? At most, a scraped elbow may need some neosporin to help it heal faster. Of course, if the wound is deep, I tend to use antibiotics. 
The deeper it is, the more it may penetrate into organs that are not set up to fight off infection as well as the skin is. When it penetrates like that is when I know we need to give the body help, hence my administration of antibiotics. After I decide that, I then decide if I can attempt to suture a wound together. It needs a skin graft or if it needs to heal by what we call second intention. Suturing it together is my favorite. First, I enjoy suturing and that usually is the quickest way to heal a wound. With proper care, I suture and in two weeks we take the sutures out and the wound is ready to go. A skin graft is a big step up. If the wound is too big for me to close the skin together to cover the internal organs of the body, I may bandage it up and come back in five days after a bed of tissue has formed in the wound and then take a patch or a bunch of little patches of skin from a healthy area of the horse's skin, like its neck or pectoral region, and then put them in the wound. In theory, these bits of skin should then decrease the healing time of the skin and close the wound quickly. Skin grows to meet each other, so the closer the skin is to each other, the quicker it grows together and heals. If none of these are options, I go to second intention healing. This is where we scrub the wound and keep it clean while the healthy skin heals inwards. This takes the longest because the edges of the skin are further apart than with a skin graft or getting a close suture together. If I can suture a wound, like previously mentioned, it is healed in two weeks. If it heals by second intention, it can take months to heal depending on the size of the wound. Another skin issue that occurs in horses is proud flesh. This occurs in wounds that are located at the hock or knee or below. Proud flesh is exuberant granulation tissue. This tissue grows like crazy and looks like cauliflower and often looks ulcerated. It has plenty of blood supply in it, but it has no nerve supply. It's a big nuisance and shows that the wound is not healing exactly like we like. It keeps the healthy tissue from being able to close over the wound so will stop wound healing. Over the years I have tried a variety of ways of keeping proud flesh back, which include things like DMSO, anti-inflammatories, and pressure wraps, as well as other salves and mystical wizard-like cures. Guess what? I have never found anything that works 100% of the time. So sometimes the best cure is coming in and cutting away the bad tissue to get to healthy tissue to allow the healthy tissue to keep growing and cover the wound. This of course requires more vet visits and can be frustrating to owners, but is something that horse owners whose horses are injured will likely have to deal with. So that's an overview of the horse's skin. I'd love to talk more about suturing wounds. But that is more conversation to have when I can show pictures to show all the fun ways horses can hurt themselves. Horses always have two things on their mind, homicide and suicide. The first thing they usually damage while attempting both of these is the skin. Hopefully now you have an idea of the diseases of the skin, how to treat them, and when to get some veterinary help. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Nathan. I hope this information was helpful to you and gives you a little more perspective on the world. If you want to reach out to us, email us at theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. 
Don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast and check out LickingValleyVet.com for information on blogs, videos, and the complete list of podcasts in our education section. Thank you.